Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it is my great pleasure to travel to the wine hills of Barolo in Piedmont's Le Langhe to meet my guest Oscar Arriva Bene, who is the winemaker and general manager of the Domenico Clerico Winery in Monforte d'Alba. Welcome, Osprey. Thank you so much for being my guest today. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. It's been a busy time. I'm sure that I appreciate you taking time out. The harvest is still going on. It's still going on. We just uh, started yesterday with the Barolo grapes. Actually, we work with three different varieties, and Dolcetto usually is the first part of September, so it's already a month, more or less, that we are thinking about Barolo, but obviously Barolo takes more time on the plant to have uh, the full ripening. So with the Barolo grapes, we just started. And we'll go ahead for the next 10 days. You've got some busy weeks ahead of you then. <laughs> You're right. Now, uh, Oscar, first of all, for our listeners who maybe have never been to the Barolo area before, you mentioned that Monforte d'Alba is in the southern part of the denominazione of one of 11 comune in the Barolo zone. Can you describe the landscape, describe where you are so they can gain a picture of this beautiful, majestic landscape? So living in Barolo is not so easy for me to describe the area because I'm living like a, I'm an insider. So, <laughs> But trying to give you a bigger scheme of where we are, we are in the southern part of Piemonte, 40 minutes roughly to the Liguria seaside, one hour, you can say. But in the middle that divides us to the seaside, there is a chain of Alps that are called Alpi Liguri. So um, the climate, despite the situation, despite how much we are close to the seaside, it's alpine. It can be really muggy during the summer, but it gets incredibly fresh during uh, September, October. Like, uh, think about to stay in the mountain. It's a kind of climate like that. So you can have a 32 degrees or 33 degrees Celsius during the day. And then maybe 10 or, or 15 degrees during the night. So there is a big drop of temperature from day to night. And then it's all, um, it's, it's on the hillside. Monforte is in the southern part of the Appalachian Barolo that is not so big. You have to think more or less it's a, 20 minutes driving from the extreme north, that is La Morra, to the extreme south, that is us. So it's a tiny appellation that is able to make altogether 13 million bottles, one, three, millions bottles per year. 
That is absolutely not so much if you don't use Ducans in winery, but in general, if you think about uh, three big wineries that make Prosecco, they are able to make the entire production of Barolo in one vintage. And we are in uh, 250. So the medium average size of a winery in Barolo, it's really familiar. It's really tiny. And we make up, we like Domenico Clerico, we make 10,000 cases uh, all together from Dolcetto, Barbera, Langa Nebbiolo, and obviously Barolo, every vintage. Okay, that's a very helpful, very helpful to place some um, Barolo both geographically, but also in terms of the size of a very famous name known around the world, but it's still a very small area, as you say, with lots of small to medium-sized grower producers uh, growing your own grapes and producing your own wines. Now, tell us about uh, the Domenico Clerico winery and about Domenico. So Domenico by himself with the wife, Giuliana, they started in uh, 1976 from uh, three hectares of uh, Dolcetto, that is the um, uh, everyday wine for us, but no Barolo. So they started in 76 with this big dream to build up a winery and uh, be more focused about uh, one of the most precious grape that we have, that is Nebbiolo. So when you think about Barolo, you have always to, to remember that it's 100% Nebbiolo. So the grape is called Nebbiolo. And then if you vinify Nebbiolo inside of the border of the Appellation Barolo and with a specific uh, aging program, then that Nebbiolo gets Barolo. So um, they had this dream to... Uh, don't think just about a wine for every day, but to uh, build up a winery that was able to create one of the most important wine in the world. But it was just a dream because Barolo was neither famous at that time. So they had this dream to create a great Barolo, but the rest of the world in the 70, 70, 80 had no idea where Piemonte was on the map. It's been a pretty interesting journey in the last uh, 40 years from dreams to, to where we are right now, reality. That is uh, 25 hectares, only cultivated on three varieties, three red varieties. We can say 50% it's what we call classic wine. So Dolcetto, Barbera, and Langenebiolo. And then 50% of the production is for the, obviously from the best slopes and the best crew in the area. We can make um, Barolo, so always Nebbiolo, but from the best position and according by law it gets parole. So 18 months of oak, um, and then after that, more or less one year in the bottle, and uh, we make uh, a comunale barolo, that is the, uh, the blend of all the vineyard inside of the village of Monforte d'Alba, and then uh, Payana, it's a crew, is a single vineyard, Chabot Mentin, another single vineyard, both from Ginestra crew, and then we make Aeroplan Servai. It's the only project that we have outside of our village. It's in Serra Lunga d'Alba. And in the end, uh, per Cristina, it's uh, another single vineyard. It's the most important vineyard that we have, that we own. It's from the 65, so it's in a really old one. From that wine in Mosconi Crew, we can make the best wine that we try to make the best wine that we can every year. And we release it after 10 years, this specific label. All the others, after three years, are released. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. 
supersize your business network, share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Okay, Oscar, thank you for that. That's a, a very good overview. And you said something very important I'd like to pick up on, that in 1976, when Domenico and his wife, Giuliana, began this beautiful project, this dream to create great wine, it's important for our listeners to understand that Barolo, now so famous, the name, the wine, so famous around the world, in that period of time, as you say, it was not recognized as a wine on the level of the greatest Burgundies, the great Bordeaux, the great wines of the world. But over this period of, I guess it's nearly 50 years, through the efforts of small wineries, family wineries, like Domenico Clerico and many others, Barolo has really been able to demonstrate to the world that from this unique terroir, this landscape of steep slopes and complex geology that's reflected in the crew wines, Barolo now stands proudly alongside the greatest wines in the world. And yet it is a recent, I can recall visiting the area in the 1980s and producers were again, hoping to be able to achieve great things, and they have now done that. But it is quite recent, and Domenico was very much part of that story. Yeah, all the situation is changed so much in the last period, you are right. So this project began in 1976, and I think Domenico has stated that the aim was to express territory as faithfully as possible. How would you describe the philosophy of the Domenico Clerico Winery. I'm joined to the winery in 2014. So I met a Domenico that was already late 50 years old. And what I found in, uh, in himself that was really different from all the other wineries where I worked before, th- there was no compromises in his mind. Making the wine, there was no idea about uh, really make money from the business. It was absolutely not that the mentality. Obviously, things was going great. He already been the sixth best wine in the world for, for Wine Spectator, for example, in that, at that moment, at that time. But the mentality was not, the idea was not to make a profit. The idea was just to try to realize the best wine in the world. His goal was uh, always has been that one, in my opinion. Most of the winery that were been in Italy, but also in France, in what we call the old world of the winemaking, most of the time, if you speak with the young generation, uh, the last one, and you ask, why are you, are you making wine? The answer is because my grandfather. With Domenico was, uh, why are you making wine? It's because I want to make the best wine in the world. It was absolutely a different point of view. And probably has been that that was able to move him uh, a couple of steps forward than, than all the others. The philosophy of the winery always been that to try to achieve uh, an higher goal. So try to do something more, push a little bit farther the limit and understand which is the real potential of and try to investigate better new crew, try to work with different, different philosophy in winemaking, different, I mean, it's not about philosophy. It's a, it's really empirical. It's uh, wine in the end is food. And so it's not so complicated. You, you just have to make the best grape possible and try to, to be really kind and gentle in, in the cellar. It's more or less the same secret of the Italian food. It's great ingredients, 
and try to manipulate as less as you can. And that is the recipe that we use. But the, the ingredient must be great. So the fruit must be great. If you want to make a great kind of quality of fruit, you need to never think about compromises. If it's a, if for one vintage you have to drop 50% of the quantity, you have to do it. So no options. If you start to think with the mentality, oh, but maybe with that bunch that I'm, that I'm cutting right now and then dropping in, in the, on the ground, maybe you can make a, a rosato, a rosé, or maybe you can make a sparkling, then all the quality mentality is gone. So if you want to make wine like the philosophy of Domenico has been was, was about try always to have a, no gray, just black and white, <laughs> no shades. Absolute dedication to um, quality beginning in the vineyard. Now, Oscar, you said you joined the winery in 2014 and you spent formative periods working in a range of different places and styles of wine in the, the Valtellina, also Nebbiolo, of course, in southern Australia, in Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, and in Tuscany. How did these experiences impact on what you brought and continue to bring to achieve this really um, direct and simple goal of growing the best fruit and expressing it in the wines as faithfully as possible? It's really difficult to understand. Probably I'm going to discover the bigger scheme in, uh, in some more years. I just jump and run from uh, one place to another because obviously it was much younger, I can say, 10 years younger than now <laughs> when I joined to Clerico. So I tried to make more experience that I could try to work abroad. And uh, and in a certain way, it's it's uh, necessary to remove the fear. Otherwise, you are always you are always afraid about every experience. And what I tried to do before of Clerico was that. And, uh, and luckily, in the moment that I joined to Clerico, 2014, Domenico gave me so much responsibility and it was the right moment, the right moment to work together. His mentality was exactly what I was looking for. So try to express in the best possible way production and try to make wine and not just to think about the balance in the end of the year works. And uh, here we are. I I never know how to, (laughs) I should see the things from outside to really understand it, but I'm inside. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting, Oscar, because a lot of producers, as you say, will say they are making wines like their grandfathers did or their their continuing tradition. But to be able to come to a traditional area like Barolo, having worked in Australia, having worked in Friuli Venezia Giulia with totally different wine traditions, obviously it brings a different approach and perhaps it allows you to, as we've said, take a, a a wider picture of what is a a very, very traditional land. Now let's talk a little bit about the range of Domenico Clerico wines. We'll talk about the Barolos in a minute, but you mentioned that Domenico began with a vineyard planted with Dolcetto. And Dolcetto and Barbera are really important uh, wines in Leilange, important for people who live there, but increasingly important as well in export markets. So can we just say just a few words about Dolcetto and Barbera? Those are what we call classic wine because also if Nebbiolo is traditional, Dolcetto probably it's more traditional than Nebbiolo. So if you go in in the house of every farmer who makes uh, another kind of crop and they have a row of, uh, of grapes, for sure that grapes will be Dolcetto. 
it's a productive variety more, more than an easy variety. It's able to make a wine that is really uh, approachable and simple, but on the other side, it's, uh, it's really something that you can really enjoy. It's fruity and floral, and you can start to drink it after just after the, the winter. So it's able to match with everything. So it's, it's simple, but not in a stupid way. Uh, it's humble. It's an humble variety that uh, that makes, in my opinion, fantastic wine for every day. Barbera is uh, if Barolo is the is the king, Barbera for sure is the queen. So there is uh, it's difficult to choose which is the best one. Obviously, we are in Barolo, so you choose your bottle, and, and we choose the, the Nebbiolo. But Barbera is absolutely at the same level of uh, of Nebbiolo, so he's able to age in the same way. It's a different kind of profile. It's richer, bigger, but acid. So it's always able to create wines really drinkable without to get too heavy. Uh, so also, if, if it's a rich and, and open variety, it never gets fat or boring. And then the Langhene Biolo, it's again, it's, it's exactly the same variety of Barolo, but from different slopes. So if it's a young vineyard, for example, or if it's... A, in a position that the, the grapes get ripe, but not exactly in the way that you want for a wine that should age for three years, we make Langanebiolo. Okay, so that's a very good overview of uh, Dolcetto, Barbera, and Langanebiolo. Let's turn now to the Domenico Clerico Barolo wines. Now, you mentioned that you make Barolo in that classic way, as was probably done certainly in the 70s, 80s, 90s blending grapes from the different vineyards. But a very interesting, more recent development have been the MGAs, the Menzione Geografiche Aggiuntive, the name single crew vineyards. And that's very important to what, what you were doing. Can you tell us a little bit about the MGAs and the differences in personality and style from the different Barolo crew vineyards? Sure. So I try always to explain the things a little bit farther. So... Thinking about the Barolo production in general, it's it's like a reverse pyramid. So on the higher part and also in the bigger part in quantity, we have Barolo, what we call classic Barolo. And it's a blend of different villages. It can be a blend of all the villages. We, like Clerico, we make we go one step a little bit more deeper, so in a lower quantity, and we make a village Barolo. So the village Barolo, it's only from one village. And we are from Monforte d'Alba. All the vineyards that we own are in Monforte d'Alba. For that reason, our Barolo, it's a village Barolo from Monforte d'Alba. So it, it talks about our specific terroir, uh, that uh, it's closer to the Alps than all the others. So it's a, and it's a little bit higher in altitude. So um, Monforte usually represents the shoulder of, of the Barolo uh, appellation. So it's bigger a little bit more muscular, more tannic, uh, but and the fruit in the other side is always really fresh. We are not the elegance, but the richness. And in our uh, Barolo Comunale, we try to give the best example of what, Bar what Monforte Talba represents. And then we go a little bit deeper again, and we finish in the MGA. So inside of every village is divided in different MGA, it's, it's the same concept of crew in France. Um, we work in different MGA. We work in Ginestra, um, Mosconi, Bussia. Uh, in Bussia, we make Bricotto. 
so it's a Barolo, MGA Bussia, and the name of the vineyard is Bricotto. Then we have uh, the name of the vineyard is Payana in uh, MGA Ginestra. Then we have Chabot Mentin, another Barolo from the same MGA, but another vineyard. Chabot Mentin is east-faced, Payana is southeast-faced. Payana is a little bit more sandy and lower in elevation. And Chabot Mentin is higher and uh, based on marl. It's a kind of clay and limestone. Then we have Per Cristina, that is from uh, Moscone Cru. It's another MGA. Just in front of, uh, of the hill of Ginestra, there is this other hill with a different kind of soil, a little bit lighter, but m- much warmer than Ginestra. And from there, we have this old vineyard we make the Per Cristina. Then we have a kind of spin-off because the entire production of Clerico is in Monforte d'Alba. So also the Dolcetto, the Bardera, the Langhe Biolo, everything that we make is in Monforte d'Alba. The only wine that is outside is this uh, Aeroplan Servai, is the name of the vineyard. Aeroplan Servai means uh, free spirit. It has been a project that Domenico started in 2006 in honor of the father who just passed away. And the father used to call him Aeroplan Servai when he was young because of this free spirit mentality. And, and so he chose to go a little bit farther from Monforte, seven kilometers from Monforte in Saranunga Balbo. And you have to think that if you are in Barolo and you go seven kilometers far away from your village, it's much farther than go and take a plane and go in New York. So <laughs> the mentality from a village to village are pretty different. And if you always grew up in Monforte d'Alba, it's like if you live in a state, not in a village. So also take the decision to move and go and pass that border and go in another village. It's been a pretty strong decision for him. So for that reason, we still call it kind of different project because we feel ourselves like part of Monforte d'Alba. And Saralunga, Saralunga, it's a completely different story, a fantastic different story. Okay, well, that is a wonderful overview of the wines and the uh, the MGAs of Domenico Clerico. And I think for our listeners uh, who maybe don't know these names and the MGAs, I think it's important for for wine lovers to understand that they give an added tier of enjoyment to wines as one explores and becomes more familiar with the wine and a wine region, begin to familiarize ourselves with tasting individual crew wines that come from different elevations, different areas with different soils. And that expresses itself very well in the wines, as you've described. Now, Oscar, I'd like to turn now to the gastronomy of Leilange, because this area, this beautiful area, is not only the source of some of Italy's very greatest wines, but it can also boast, in my opinion, one of Italy's greatest cuisines. And I particularly love to visit the area, especially at this time of year. Can you highlight some of the traditional dishes that no visitor to the Barolo wine hill should miss out? And also perhaps mention the Domenico Clerico wines that would pair best with them. Piemonte is a really interesting region about, about the food because it's different from all the others. Dolcetto, in my opinion, it's one of those wines that works with everything. Uh, and it's the only one you can, uh, that you can drink with bagna cauda. Bagna cauda, it means uh, warm soup, warm cream, more than soup. It's a cream of garlic, anchovies, and um, olive oil. 
And so obviously it's really strong and the flavor, it's 50% garlic. So it's incredibly strong. And you dip inside the vegetables, all the vegetables that usually you find during fall. So the last carrots, some pepper, pepperoni, some salads, and cardo, that is a kind of artichoke. So all that dipped inside of this sauce. And the only wine that is able to resist and to be so strong and, and aromatic to still be present with this kind of dish is dolcetto. So the best pairing is that one, in my opinion. Then Barbera. It's a big topic, this one, because most of the time that I see, that I'm, but also in Italy, it's wines are paired by price. So expensive wines, expensive food. Cheese usually is expensive, so it's always paired with the most expensive wine that you have. Barolo and cheese doesn't match so well, except Parmigiano or uh, Grana Padano or uh, the, those kind of cheese. Barolo is not the right, the right pairing for them. Especially if it's blue cheese, it, it, it gets really complicated, the pairing. Barbera fits perfectly with also blue cheese because Barbera has no tannins. So also if you have some spiciness from the cheese, Barbera is able to go around to that kind of taste and, and be able to cuddle it really, really, really gentle. Then we have the um, Lange Nebbiolo, our Capisme. It's a fresh and fruity Nebbiolo that, in my opinion, works perfectly with uh, Carne Cruda. Carne Cruda is a raw meat. It's kind of tartare, chopped more, more thin, usually with some uh, pepper, salt, and, and olive oil, nothing else. A little bit of lemon for some. Uh, and it's incredibly, incredibly typical. If you are in, in Piemonte, you have a vitello tornato, carne cruda everywhere. Vitello tornato is a kind of braised meat, a roast, kind of roast beef, with on top a sauce of, uh, um, it's kind of mayonnaise with uh, uh, tuna and, and capers. That is the reason why it's called vitello tornato. That means veal with tuna, because it's a roast of veal plus the sauce that is more fishy and the langanebiolo fits perfect for that. Then obviously in this period, it's about truffles. It's about white truffles from Alba. So we make um, a special kind of uh, tagliatelle, really, uh, really thin with so many eggs inside, yolks. So they get really, really yellow, butter and, uh, uh, and some truffle on top. And for that, for sure, the Barolo is the king for that kind of, uh, of, uh, of pairing. That's a great description of some of the beautiful classic foods of Le Lange. In particular, I'm imagining bubbling pot of Banya Cauda, which I particularly love at this time of year, perhaps with the new Dolcetto, the wine that's only just finished fermenting. The truffle season, of course, is just beginning, I guess, now, or maybe about to begin. But that's something very special. And many, I would urge our listeners to visit the area uh, in this time of year when uh, this very special mix of wine and food and particularly the, the rare white truffles can be sampled. Now, speaking about visiting, Oscar, wine hospitality is increasingly important all across Italy. And our listeners often travel to areas and seek out producers they listen to. Can our listeners visit Domenico Clerico and what sort of wine hospitality do you offer? We are absolutely open for visits. Everyone who wants to come and visit us will be welcome. Uh, it's, it's easy. You just have to go on our website that is domenicoclerico.com and check for the visit. 
and you make an appointment directly through the website. And we are more than happy to have as many people as we can. We are only a winery, so for the same reason uh, of the of the winemaking, the same philosophy for the winemaking, you have to think that we only offer the the winery visit. We don't have any restaurants or accommodation, but uh, we are really good in that. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that uh, someone who wants to have a, a truly experience of what a winery is, uh, Clerico can be a, a good spot to visit. We are open all the year, uh, except a couple of weeks, one in December, one in August. So every moment could be the, the right one. Okay, well, thank you for that. And I'm sure our listeners will find a way to seek you out and to learn in more detail about the wines you're producing. Oscar, you've taken us deep into the heart of the wine hills of Barolo and beautifully described the wines and the philosophy of Domenico Clerico, as well as whetted our appetite to taste some of these wonderful foods of Lelange. I hope the 2023 vintage will be a good one for you. And I'd like to thank you for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure has been mine. And uh, crossing finger for the for this harvest. We just started, so we need some luck. Thank you. In bocca al lupo. Grazie. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.